It's time for Silver and Black Today Game Day. We're breaking down the Raiders' upcoming game and bring you in-depth analysis from National Football Insiders. Let's get the nation fired up. Here are your hosts, Scott Goldbranson and Mo Moten. All right, it is game day, Las Vegas. This is Silver and Black Today Game Day only on the fan here in Las Vegas. Thanks for being back with us on Sunday. Mo Moten, Scott Branson, we are your guides getting you ready for a 1 p.m. kickoff down at Allegiant Stadium as your 4-2 and two Las Vegas Raiders host the 2-4 and four Philadelphia Eagles. And if you, if you have any friends from Philadelphia, you understand why I called them the Eagles. Uh, but we're going to talk about them. And Mo, here we are. Last week, we spent all the time on the negativity around the Raiders. Uh, I went off a little bit on Mark Davis um, and the ownership. I went off on John Gruden for what he had done and how he had left this team. Team. But lo and behold, the Raiders come back. Uh, they go to Denver, a tough place for them to win. Usually, I think they were, what, two and five over their last seven games in Denver. They go out. They have a convincing win. They put together the most complete game they have all season long. Were you at all surprised? I wasn't surprised, but you mean to tell me the season's not over, Scott? Because I was on Twitter <laughs> last week, and I could have swore people told me that the season was over. Like, oh, my I, goodness. I could have swore we were, we were already preparing who's going to be the new head coach, what are we going to do about Derek Carr's contract, who are we going to pay, what are we going to do about the offseason roster. I thought the season was completely over the way people, some people talked about it, but I guess you know the season's still on, and we're 4-2 <laughs> headed to a game with the Eagles, and we're looking at 5-2 and two going into the bye week, maybe, possibly. That's right. If they can win today here at home, then yes, five and two would be an amazing start for this team. Considering that they had a two game losing streak and they lost their coach to a controversy would be remarkable for a Raiders team. So so the negativity, I understand there's some questions about the future. Those will not be addressed until the offseason. So why worry about it now? But certainly the Raiders win up in Denver 34-24. And again, Denver scored a late touchdown. So this game was not close. The Raiders dominated throughout. Uh, and, and we have to get to part of this. Um, by the way, Mo, before we get into a little re- recap of the game, uh, this week the Raiders went out, they bolstered the roster. They've had, as we know, injuries uh, in the defensive backfield. Damon Arnett is still out. Trayvon Mullen is still on IR. They went out and signed Desmond Trufant. And on offensive line, they signed DJ Fluker to the practice squad. Uh, so the Raiders, you know, you, you, you wrote a piece up on VegasSportsToday.com after the Gruden stuff went down saying, hey, now Mike Mayock gets his chance to actually work with the roster and perhaps do things to help them get better in season. And he goes out and signs these two guys. What was your thoughts on both of those signings of Trufant and Fluker? Yeah, two poignant thoughts. One, I think my guy, Meek Robinson, might get buried on the depth chart. <laughs> uh, he struggled. He struggled against Denver. I'll admit that. Yeah. I, I was very high on Meek, and I'm still not going to give up on him. I think he still has a spot in this roster, maybe as a, as a backup slot for Nate Hobbs, but he struggled. So obviously, they were looking for cornerbacks. So the true font addition makes sense with the injuries with uh, Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett. Uh, DJ Fluker, I think, could eventually be the Raiders' starting right tackle. Um, I, you know, people saying Brandon Parker had a decent outing. He gave up four pressures, according to Pro Football Focus. So I don't think he's the long-term answer there if you're going to keep Alex Leatherwood at right guard. I think DJ Fluker eventually takes over at right tackle. Now, he had knee surgery. He spent the offseason with the Dolphins, uh, got suspended for six weeks. 
and had knee surgery. So <laughs> it's going to take him time to ramp up, but I think eventually he gets in there as a right tackle. Yeah, I thought both signings were good ones. You know, the the the, the Raiders continue to obviously bring in Alabama guys, but no, I mean, I, I think this was, you, you look at the guys that were on the street, these were two names that, that you look at and you say, okay, that makes sense. Uh, you're not you're not committed to any contracts. You're not committed to any big money. And so I think for for them to need bodies and you're right about Amik Robertson and I like Amik Robertson, too. But I think ultimately uh, he's going to be a rotational player, like you said, uh, and, and to ask him to do what they needed him to do right now probably wasn't going to work out long term. He had his moments and looked really good two weeks ago. Um, he had moments even in the game in Denver, but but unfortunately they targeted him. Uh, specifically, and it didn't work out in his favor. So, so that's kind of the free agent and signing news. And I don't think they're done, Mo. I think they're going to continue to look to tinker with that offensive line. Uh, and there's not there's not a great amount of linebackers out there. I think the linebacking core for the Raiders is doing okay, uh, but at the same time, they're just looking for ways to get better as they head into the bye uh, coming up. And hopefully, they can get healthy. By the way, the the Raiders injury report. Mo, everybody was fine. It was like to see an injury report, except for the guys that are on IR, of course, but the guys who are on active roster, everybody was a full participant Sands one uh, going into uh, Friday. So that's a good sign as well. Yeah, just to hear Josh Jacobs say, you know, he hasn't had consecutive weeks where he's felt good on a Wednesday. You know, he felt spry and he's just had a lot of juice on, on the first practice day of the week. That is encouraging. And I think part of that is, the use of Kenyon Drake takes some take some pressure off of him, takes some pounding off of his body, some wear and tear, and then you can have him for the rest of the season and be relatively healthy. And a healthy Josh Jacobs can get that run game going. That's right. Coming up after the next commercial break, when we come back, we're going to be uh, interviewing Javon Alford from DraftKings Nation. He also is the proprietor of Total Sports Live. We're going to talk to him about the Eagles uh, and get his view on them and this game coming up later this afternoon down in Allegiant Stadium. Mo, going back to the game, let's let's kind of tie a bow on this with the discussion for the rest of this uh, portion of the show. Um, Greg Olson becomes the offensive play caller. A lot of people, I think, were excited about that. There were there over the last two years, a lot of Raider Nation was getting frustrated with it, what they believed to be a more conservative offense by John Gruden, a more, I think, stringent use of certain players in the offense. So Greg Olson jumps out first game in Denver. What did you see that you liked and what uh, what sort of grade doesn't have to be a letter grade, but overall, how did you think Greg Olson did uh, in his first game since coming back to the Raiders and calling plays for uh, that offense and for Derek Carr? I think he did great, and the results are there. The Raiders didn't need overtime to crack 30 points for the first <laughs> time this season. So that that tells you the proof is in the pudding right there. But three things to point out. Play action, which I wrote about last week, very important with this Raiders team. I think they used it properly. Uh, you don't need an effective ground game to execute play action to its fullest. You just need the threat of the run games, which means you have to have a commitment. If the, if a safety and a linebacker comes up, you can hit a pass downfield for 10, 15, uh, 10, 15 yards to a Ruggs or Brian Edwards or Darren Waller and get a big play on third down. The use of the screen pass caught a uh. lot of fans off guard, caught me off guard. It, it was great to see for the first time in how many and how long. Uh, and not being conservative, I, I tweeted this. This is the first Raider game in a while where they won in double digit. They won a double digit win margin since last year when they beat Denver, I believe, in Week Ten. Yep. So they didn't get conservative with a lead. They kept their foot on the gas pedal, and and they basically choked the Denver Broncos out in this game, and they took the win home. 
decisively. And it's great to see that with that offense because criticism of Gruden is that when he gets a lead, starts running the ball, starts getting way too conservative. Yeah, and that would to me as well. And we talked about it. We, we also have obviously have our, our Friday night show down on the Mightier 1090 in Southern California. And, and you and I talked about that play action pass. And I thought that was massive because it's not that John Gruden didn't run the play action pass. But it just had a different feel on third and short down. I mentioned to you before on third and short down, you saw Olsen call play action passes, trying to get over to Darren Waller, trying to get to Hunter Renfro coming out of the slot, different ways of making sure. And the thing I like about that so much, Mo, is that, you know, you have a third and one or a third and two. They, 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 excuse me, they, they block up the box, right? They're, they're bringing everybody in. They're expecting you to run the ball, especially a John Gruden run team. Uh, and so then what you do is you put your quarterback under there, makes it look like you are, and he pulls back, throws a nice quick pass. You get five, six, even more yards instead, and you accomplish exactly what you wanted to do, which was convert on third down. Right. It's all about keeping the defense honest. You don't yes. want to be predictable. You don't want the defense being able to call out your plays or basically predict what you're going to do next. You want to you want to mix things up, keep the defense on their heels, keep them guessing. And when you do that, you find some open lanes downfield. Maybe you get an open running lane if you do run the ball. And just being multiple, and I think that's what Greg Olson brought to that offense against Denver last week. The other thing I think he did, Mo, and we heard some of the players say after the game during the press conference and then during the week uh, at the various press conferences uh, we had uh, from from Tuesday up until, until Friday, which was the idea that uh, just like Gus Bradley did on the defense when he took over for Paul Gunther right at the beginning of the season, it was the kiss approach, the keep it simple, stupid, right? It was keep it simple. You heard a lot of the players say, hey, you know what? We went out, we simplified things, we simplified things. And this is a common, I think, criticism we heard under Gruden of both his defense under Paul Gunther and then now of his offense that he ran. Uh, and it seems like that's what happened. They just let that team play with within itself with the talent it has and to call plays that complemented with the kind of momentum of the game. That simplification also was a big key, I think. Uh, and Greg Olson obviously knew that he needed to do that uh, for this first game in Denver. Yeah, and, we, and that's been talked about a lot, that Gruden runs a complex offense. I think Waller talked about it last week. He said he thinks that uh, Greg Olson and Derek Carr will simplify it for guys and make yes. it easier and more digestible for that offense. And I think that's very important that guys don't have to come in and have to worry about a complex scheme. And you talked about it. It was kind of similar to the, the transition between Paul Gunther and Gus Bradley where Gus Bradley just comes in, he simplifies things, and guys are able to play fast and they're not doing too much thinking. And they're doing more, they're playing more, and they're just not reacting to everything that's going around them. They're making plays and having the, and dictating to defense versus the defense dictating to them. So I think it it works both ways when the offense can dictate to the defense. Yes. Instead of vice versa. Absolutely. The last thing I want to talk about with this game um, for the last few minutes we have here in this segment is this. So, Mo, you need to join me up on the podium here because we're going to scream and we're going to say, <laughs> we told you so. Kenyon Drake, Mo, we had been beating the drum for weeks here on, on both of our radio shows talking about why did you go out and spend umpteen million dollars on Kenyon Drake, a guy who's got plenty left in the tank. You can use him. He's a tool. He supplements and complements Josh Jacobs. He can come out of the backfield as a receiver, a really good receiver. And, oh, by the way, he can still run the ball. He's got fresh legs. John Gruden just didn't use him. Now he comes out against Denver, has a huge game, 
for the Raiders, and you hear his teammates now openly saying, yeah, we were always frustrated that he didn't get more chances to play. What do you make of the Kenyon Drake addition now and the fact that the Raiders under Greg Olson are using him as they should? I think John Gruden just runs hot and cold, guys. I know there were some criticisms about Kenyon Drake's blocking, and that's why maybe Gruden didn't use him as much. But I still think if you if a guy – okay, so if a guy is not good at blocking, you could still – find ways to put him in the game plan and use him to his strengths. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Greg Olson did. You saw him run the ball a handful of times, saw him catch a couple of passes, had a real real route over a linebacker. So he's still a dynamic threat. You just may not have him, you know, inside blocking chipping. That's more of Jalen Richard's thing, but you could still use him as an effective weapon. And I think that's beneficial to Josh Jacobs and that entire offense. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. And to me, you, 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 you don't spend that kind of money. And again, we go back to what we've been critical here on our shows about John Gruden, and that was his player acquisition. Not because he didn't sometimes bring in good players. He would then bring in good players and use them incorrectly. I mean, we saw it on defense with Paul Gunther a lot, obviously, uh, and, and we know what happened there. But Kenyon Drake was a great example of this. Or you look at your young tight end, Foster Moreau. Of course, Darren Waller's a world-class player, you know, best two tight ends in the game. But still, you don't find a way... You got to find a way to get your young talent in there to get them experience. How do they get better if they don't get snaps, if they don't get targets? Yeah, the funny thing is, it's not like Ken Drake was somebody left over from the previous regime. <laughs> John Gruden went out and got this guy, right. and then he kind of fades him after after three, four weeks. And I'm thinking, you you just can't throw a player away, especially the as you just said, you're spending that much money on a player, two years, $11 million deal, 8.5 guaranteed already. The rest of it is guaranteed next year. You don't spend that money on a player and use them as your fourth or fifth wide receiver. You have to find a way to, to put them in. You got to get creative if you have to. And, I, and I, again, I think having a fresh mind, having – Greg Olsen's fresh mind really, really helped that offense. And Kenyon Drake, of course. Absolutely. And I, I can't wait to see him play today against the Eagles and, and see what they do with him there. Now, Mo, we've got about a minute and a half left here, but I want to get your thoughts on the offensive line. Two things. Number one is uh, I thought they played a better game. I think they're starting to gel a little more. I, I still need more evidence. I'm sorry. You know, one game does not make a season. We're going to have to see them have another solid game against a really, really good uh, Philadelphia defensive front to, today down at Allegiant Stadium, uh, but I like that. I also want to caution people, and I know we talked about it last week, Alex Leatherwood is not a bust yet, okay? Let the kid grow. You have a thought, though. You thought that Alex Leatherwood, despite the penalties, played well this past week. Yeah, I thought that was his best game as a pro, and I, and I always said that, and you can go back and read my tweet, I always said that I think he's more he's better as a right guard, and I think he'll continue to improve a he has nine for the season, but mm -hmm. if he can cut down on the penalties, specifically the false starts, I think he'll be a fine right guard. And as you said, he's only played, what, six games. Give him a chance to grow people <laughs> before you want to call him a bust and trade him away to some for to another team for some picks. Yeah, we're, Let him uh, grow. Uh, yeah, especially some of you who are saying the same thing about Henry Ruggs last year, and then I see you rolling around in a Henry Ruggs jersey. So, uh, yeah, let's <laughs> let's let's give these guys a little time to develop before we give up af uh, after five games. I think it's just a little too much. Does he have some challenges ahead? Yes. But, oh, by the way, remember, Mo, when you talked about how he was drafted to play a position he's not supposed to play anyway? So is that his fault? Right. No. So now uh, let's yeah. see how he develops as a guard. 
uh, in the league and 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 uh, and how he is able to grow. I mean, he's got to be able to grow. So we'll see how that goes down. Uh, all right, we're coming up on our first break already. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Javon Alford. He is a writer for DraftKings Nation, also uh, Total Sports Live, where he talks about all NFL, about betting, about the Eagles. He is an Eagles guy, so we're going to ask him about Nick Sirianni, the rough start there as a head coach. We'll also talk about Jalen Hurts, of course. Is he the long-term answer in Philadelphia? And the running game, of course, we'll talk about that big defensive front for the Philadelphia Eagles. You're with Mo Moten. You're with Scalco Branson. You are on Silver and Black today, game day only here on The Fan in Las Vegas. Don't go anywhere, Raider Nation. Raider Nation is fired up. It's Silver and Black today, game day. All right, welcome back here. Silver and Black today, game day on The Fan here in Las Vegas. Get your coffee Get your croissant or whatever the heck you're eating. Donut. If it's me, I'm eating a donut. Mo, are you a donut guy or are you a bagel? What do you do in the morning? Gotta have in the morning <laughs> a smoothie and a bagel. Uh, okay, smoothie. maybe some toast and jelly. Yeah, an avocado maybe some smoothie. Jelly. No, but you know what the the big thing is now? People are saying you gotta have peach jelly and strawberry. Just go with the simple grape jelly please i'm a simple dude <laughs> i see i'm a strawberry guy but i do grape too i do both like i kind of alternate i like i like different i like different flavors man it's like you do it a couple times and then you switch it up right got to make mix it up uh all right well, we're going to mix it up now we're going to talk about the raiders opponent later today here in las vegas down at allegiant stadium that of course is the two and four philadelphia eagles and to do that we're going to be talking uh to javon alford he writes for DraftKings nation he also has a website total sports live where you can go read about all sorts of sports uh and of course he is our guy we go to for the eagles jovan thanks for being here with mo and i on silver and black today game day hey i'm glad to be on uh it's gonna be a, hopefully a good game and i'm just you know glad to be on to talk about what's going on with the philadelphia eagles all right so let's start at the top with the eagles as far as the coaching goes nick seriani comes in uh you know as a first-time coach his he has the youngest staff in the history of the nfl and it shows so far. They're off to a rough start. Talk about Sirianni. What are you seeing from him that is troubling? And then what are you seeing from him that maybe gives you a glimmer of hope that he can grow into the coach that the Eagles need him to be? I think y'all probably already know the first point that I'm pop, that I'm going to hit on with Nick Sirianni was troubling, the lack of getting touches to his running backs. Um, hmm. I know Mo has started the free Miles Sanders movement, and <laughs> that's, a, that's, a, <laughs> that's a movement that needs to continue. And it's very troubling when, you know, your quarterback is your leading rusher um, in Jalen Hurts, especially when you have running backs that are capable on this roster like a Miles Sanders or Kenny Gainwell, Boston Scott, who's pretty much been relegated to like a special teams player at this point. Uh, and, then, and then, you know, they also had Jordan Howard. He's just sitting on the practice squad. So to not, you know, run the ball efficiently or even run the ball, you know, consistently until it gets to like the third or fourth quarter, it's very concerning because we've seen this team the last few weeks come out very pass heavy against offenses that you just cannot do that against. You know, they went past heavy against the Cowboys. And even though against the Cowboys team where he didn't have to, and the Cowboys team that was missing a lot of people on the defensive line, he chose not to run the ball. I think Miles Sanders only had like two carries for like 27 yards. Then you look at the following week against the Kansas City Chiefs, they struggled, you know, they not even struggled. They refused to run the ball really and try to get into a shootout. And then, you know, you saw last week Miles Sanders did get some touches, but you could, but it seemed like he got majority of his touches 
you know, in the second half, that third and fourth quarter. So I think that's the one troubling thing for me. And I think the, the, the lone bright spot you would have to say is that this team, you know, they don't, they don't give up. <laughs> they continue to fight, you know, I think everybody saw that on that Thursday night game. They were down, but they somehow willed themselves to make it a game, even down to late in the fourth quarter. And we've kind of seen that throughout the season that they'll somehow get down and, but they'll still keep on fighting. And that fight helps them beat the Carolina Panthers the way they did because they look like they were going to lose that game, but they mustered up the gumption to come back and beat them. So I think that what he's assembling in them to the, the will, the win, to continue to fight, continue to play, I think is good. But the game planning and, you know, getting the running backs involved, that's a real troubling concern for me. So speaking about that game plan, you you mentioned it. Now, do you think they're putting too much on Jalen Hurts' play? I'm not here to absolve Jalen Hurts of all the issues he may have in the pocket, but I think having a complimentary run game would help him, especially he's you know he's still a developing play, and I think having a one-dimensional offense kind of puts him in a tough spot. I'm someone who thinks that Miles Sanders should get at least 15 carries per game, and of course they drafted Kenny Gamewell in the fifth round. Now, aside from last week, the Raiders have had issue stuff in the run. Are they even talking about what they can do to get the run game going? Maybe getting uh, Sanders and Gamewell more involved earlier against this run defense of the Raiders because they do have an advantage there if they can get it going and actually commit to the run. So, do you think we'll actually see more Sanders and Gamewell uh, Sunday or just going forward? I mean, one would hope that you would see the run games. I mean, both teams' run defenses aren't that great, so we could see a lot of running the ball. In this game, you hope that he features Miles Sanders um, more because, like you said, it's a lot. The, you know, it's a lot for a young quarterback, you know, that's only making his 11th career start in the NFL to shoulder that load, you know, to be the guy like, hey, we're going to put all the offense on you and not really run the football when you do have a guy um, like Miles Sanders. I agree with you. I think Miles Sanders should get 15 carries and you mix in five touches. Uh, and and with the receiving game, I think you get 20 to 25, you'll be in. You know, you'll be in you'll be in, you know, great shape. So I think you would hope, especially with them trading away Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard just coming off the COVID, uh, the COVID list on Thursday, um, with him just coming off, you're a, little, not, you're a little thin at tight end, you could say. This is an opportunity where you want to get your running backs involved, both in the passing game, but especially in the running game for Raiders defense that's allowing – um, at least uh, 100 and, uh, 130 yards on the ground. So this is this is the prime opportunity. If you want to debunk your no- the notion that you don't run the football, this is the week to do so. Jovan Alford from DraftKings Nation along with Total Sports Live is our guest here. You can follow him on Twitter at Jovan, J-O-V-A-N-10. Uh, he also has some great stuff, obviously, doing uh, doing some betting. So if you're looking at sports betting, doesn't matter what the sports, also somebody great to follow on Twitter. Staying on the offense, Jovan, when you look at the, the, the situation with Jalen Hurts, uh, Mo and I were talking before the break about uh, the Raiders and, and Henry Ruggs III last year. Raider fans were ready to throw him over board after four games saying he was a bust as the top number one pick and the first receiver taken in the draft last year. So now you have Jalen Hurts who's thrown out there. As you guys have just mentioned, he is not somebody who's getting uh, a run game support or anything. He's getting some bad coaching, if you will. Uh, but when you look at him and, and, and as a long-term answer for the Eagles, uh, are they going to give him the opportunity to develop or is it going to go south so fast that he may never get that shot? Uh, 
I, I'm I'm in I'm in the, the notion and the mindset that you that you have to give Jalen Hurts at least the rest of this year to see what you can do. It's it's only right, especially with what you did with Carson Wentz his rookie year. You gave him that rookie year to play, right? There was nobody right. under him or watching him. I think who who was his backup? Like Chase Daniel? I mean, come on, like <laughs> Chase Daniel. He 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 steals money. So, I mean, so when you so when you see that, you know, they didn't. There was no like guy to say like push him. It was like this is your show. Let him run it, and he went through his ups and down, ups and downs. And I think Jalen Hurts has to be allowed to do the same thing, but it just doesn't seem like that some weeks, <laughs> especially if you're on social media. It's like it's like gloom and doom. It's like he makes one bad throw or he makes a bad read, and you know it's let's look at who's the 2022 quarterback. Is it Malik Willis? Is it Carson Strong? Is it X, Y, and Z? And you can't think like that. But that's the NFL. We that's the NFL that we live in, right? This is the football world we live in where. People, more so fans, not even front office people, right? We're talking fans. They want to see instant production right away from, especially from what these guys did, you know, when they were in college. But you got to let these guys grow. You got to let these guys mature. Like you mentioned, a guy like Henry Ruggs, like you said, everybody's ready to throw him to the wolves <laughs> and pretty much want to get pretty much want to get rid of him. It almost reminded me of like when Marquise Brown started off slow his rookie year. Yeah. But what happened? He, he matured and developed his second year. And we're starting to see the same thing with Henry Ruggs. So you just hope that the Eagles, you know, even though they have, you know, potentially three first-round picks, they just see what you can, you know, what you can get from Jalen Hurts because you can see the talent is there. You know, he's going to have clunkers in bad games, but there's a lot of good that you've seen in various games against the Saints last year, which were like the number one defense, against the Cardinals and almost a comeback win, against the Falcons this season. I mean, there's a lot to pull from of good that I think really outweighs the bad. Right, so I just want to touch on that Jalen Hurts' development. And I've seen you on Twitter, and you've been very honest in your assessment and pointing out the hypocrisies some analysts have in his in his development. So in your fair point of view, what are what are Jalen Hurts' strengths and what are some of the things that he can work on and improve? I think Jalen Hurts, you know, his you know his strengths, obviously, you know, he can get out and move out the pocket. He's not a quarterback that's like a run, for, a run first, pass second guy. Like, he's going to stand there and make his throws, you know, when he, you know, when he needs to be. You know, a lot of people that were, you know, early in the season were complaining that he wasn't making throws in the middle of the field. <laughs> Even though anybody that watched football, you're, football, you're more concerned if your young quarterback can make the throws outside the hash marks, right? It's like, you got to be able to make those throws. So for me, when I saw him able to make those throws outside the hash marks, you know, that was very, you know, good to see. You know, he has a good touch on a lot of his passes. Sometimes they get away from him. Yeah, they, they definitely get away from him. You know, does he, you know, not pull the trigger quick enough on some passes that, you know, could be catchable or, you know, overthrow some guys? Yeah. But, again, you know, as y'all know, he's a rookie quarterback. He's going to – that timing is not going to be down, you know, immediately automatically that we see from more veteran guys that have been in the league where they know I get this ball out in 2.3 seconds, it's going to be right there. It's going to hit that spot. So, for me – I like, you know, that he's showing more development in this passing game. I like that he does spread the ball around, you know, and not just focus on, like, one guy. Like, he's just heavy targets, like, this way. Like, they get everybody involved, you know. He's not turning the ball over a lot, which was a huge issue last year for a lot of people. He had, like, nine fumbles. He's only had four fumbles this season. So, to see that in him, you know, not making really huge turnovers, and he just gives this team a chance to win every week, even at the end of games. You know, he's pulling the ball for – you know, rushing touchdowns, and, you know, he, he just has that will to win mentality, and you just, you want to see him continue to have that growth as a passer, 
because that's going to be his bread and butter. And, you know, but again, he's got to be given that chance to become a more, a, a more prolific passer, which doesn't, just doesn't happen overnight. Jovan Alford from DraftKings Nation and Total Sports Live is our guest. We're talking Eagles here as the Raiders get ready to face Philadelphia at 1 p.m. down at Allegiant Stadium here in Las Vegas. So, Jovan, we talk about Jovan Hargrave, that off that defensive front. I had to say that slow so I didn't uh, didn't fumble it. Um, but but Hargrave, when you talk about him, that defensive front for Philadelphia, to me, this is the big reason why I believe the game with the Raiders uh, is going to be a close one because I think with the Raiders' offensive line, which is not really solidified yet, they had a good game in Denver, but have lots of issues and lots of development to do. You have Hargrave, who's having an amazing season, six sacks. You add in the rest of that defensive front. Talk a little bit about how that defense is running, because I know Eagles aren't exactly stocked at linebacker. They're kind of playing a little bit above the talent level there. Uh, just how much does that defensive front mean for the overall uh, progress and and the way this team plays on a weekly basis? It means a lot because we've seen, I know y'all, y'all watched the game last week, on national TV, Jonathan Gannon, there's a lot of bend but don't break defense, right? A lot of uh, zone coverages, you know, playing off pretty much. We saw Tom Brady just giving everything underneath. I'm not trying to get beat over the top, not really playing like uber aggressive um, and more so leaning on your defensive line. Not even really blitzing, but he hasn't really done a lot this season. Jonathan Gannon more so getting pressure with the front four, and that's been like this staple, you know, for the last few years, you know. Not really a heavy blitzing team, just more so defensive line getting pressure. And you mentioned Javon Hargrave; he's been a he's been a, he's been amazing um, for this Eagles defense, especially with the loss of Brandon Graham earlier in the season. They needed somebody to help step up and help bring that pressure. And you're seeing that with, J- with Javon Hargrave in the middle, who they got, I think, for like a still a couple of free agencies. They got things for like a three-year, thirty-nine million dollar deal. So to get him a free agency from the Steelers to come in the pair of Fletcher Cox, I think he's been amazing. And it's only going to help that defensive line, especially on the edges with Josh Sweat, you know, with Derek Barnett. You know, if you can get a guy in the middle that can push like he can, that's only going to be able to free up your defensive ends to kind of win those one-on-one battles. But I think it's going to be huge in Sunday's game for both teams, right? You want to see if Hargrave can, you know, get off, you know, the double teams. You know, another side for the Raiders, you want to see – if Max Crosby can get off one-on-one to get the Eagles offensive tackle. So, Javon, one last thing before we let you out of here. I can't let you go without a betting question. Um, based <laughs> on the line right now, the Raiders are favored by three points over the <laughs> Eagles. So we're sitting in the bar, you, me, and Scott. If you had if you had a, to place a wager in this game, where are you putting your money with the, Ra- with the Raiders favored by three points? Oh man, this is tough. <laughs> this is tough because 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 I because I don't I, I don't anybody knows me. I don't play any games involving the home team. So for this scenario, we're gonna play. We're gonna play around with it. <laughs> so, um, so, for, so for me, for me right now, I want to lean towards the Raiders because I look at how the way they played last week against the Broncos. That was a very impressive, uh, a very impressive win um, on the road. I don't know how much we can trust, you know, the Eagles, more specifically Nick Sirianni, to put his team in a position um, to win the game. Now, if you want to look at it going, like, super, like, analytical into, like, against the spread numbers, the Eagles are 2-7 and seven against the spread in their last nine road games. The Raiders, however, are 4-8 and eight <laughs> against yeah. the spread in the last right, nine, so right. not really great. And then if you want to go deeper into that, when the Raiders are favored by three points or more against the spread in their last 10 games, Going back, I think they go back like 2019 almost. 
they are three and seven. So yep. it's not a great, you know, matchup. But if I had to choose right now, I'm going to lean. I'm going to lean towards the Raiders. But I think this is a game where, like you said, it's going to come down to the wire. It's going to be a close one, and I think that spread only indicates that. I'd be interested to see if it comes down at least by half a point by Sunday, because then if we're if we're in that range where yeah. it's like two and a half, two points, you might be better off placing a wager on the money line for better value. There you go. So now you get betting, and we <laughs> we're almost out of time. Uh, Javad, thanks so much, man, for being with us, giving us insight to the Eagles, and uh, so where Mo can waste his money. Uh, but we appreciate you being on there. Make sure you check him out on DraftKings Nation, also Total Sports Live. Uh, Jovan, thanks for being with us today, man. Hey, thanks again, fellas, for having you. me on. All right, there you go. We're going to step aside for a break, uh, and when we come back, silver and black today, game day rolls on. Don't go anywhere. Silver and Black today. Game day is on. All right, welcome back. This is Silver and Black today. Game day as we head up to uh, Allegiant Stadium here at 1 o'clock in Las Vegas. The Raiders are going to be facing the Philadelphia Eagles. Of course, kickoff coming up next of the early games in the NFL here on a Sunday morning. And you're with Scott Branson and Mo Moten with you talking Raiders football. And Mo, um, I'll tell you what, this, this Sunday's, you know, we have next week is the Raiders by week already. And so for us doing shows, it's a little different. We're going to have different guests on next week. Some, some folks to talk about, you know, in essence, the first uh, seven games for the Raiders as they're not quite halfway through the season when they get to their bye. Um, but it's always interesting going into a bye week. Now you cover the entire NFL. I'm only concerned with the Raiders. Uh, but when you have a team like you do, you cover the Raiders too, and you do these two radio shows that you and I do together, uh, you, you kind of like, you, you get a week off from that. <laughs> not that you're not busy because you're, you're Sundays, you're like disappear because you're so busy. But um, uh, it's, it's interesting heading into the bye. It's so tough for football fans, isn't it, when your team is on a bye? Yeah, it's it's kind of like if you if you have a good team, you want to see them back on the field yeah. right away. So if the, let's say the, you know the Raiders go five and two, Raiders fans are like, oh man, I gotta wait a whole week. But if you have a <laughs> bad team, it's kind of like, man, when is the season over? Like this is dragging on. Yeah, I think very interesting for the Raiders though. Really quick note, because the the trade deadline is coming up, I think a lot of talk mm-hmm. will be: Are the Raiders gonna make a big move, especially for their offensive line? Maybe their linebacker core if Nick Morrow is not on the way back soon. You know, I think the Raiders can make a move for the offensive line before the deadline goes. Yeah, they definitely could. And, and, and the, I think the, the people who will be most upset, and of course we have to see how the action unfolds this week, uh, are going to be the Arizona Cardinal fans, right? Because when, when you're on that big roll and you start off the season <laughs> yeah. like that, and it's like now you have to stop, the last thing you want to – and you know how how uh, fans just get uh, – they, they, they think about these things as, as superstition, uh, that you know, you're on a roll, you don't want to stop, Right. Um, and the same with the Raiders. If the Raiders can win later this afternoon down at Allegiant and beat the Eagles to your point and go five and two, you also hate to stop that, especially with what they've had to deal with. But yeah, the trade deadline, of course, we, we hear about the Tua stuff happening um, and that's looking more imminent with Deshaun Watson and all that other stuff going on. Well, that's going to be fascinating to watch over the next few days. Uh, but the Raiders, you know, yes, they signed DJ Fluker, who's got a lot of question marks because of the knee injury. Um, if I was the Raiders, Mo, I would be active. If you can get 
get a guy who can come in and instantly change the trajectory or improve significantly that offensive line, uh, especially at the right tackle position, um, then then I think you got to look at it because look, especially you're Mike Mayock, you're 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 auditioning for your job for future years, right? And so if you can go out and make that team better, and you're five and two, you got to do it, right? Absolutely. And I think another position I mentioned offensive line, maybe a cornerback. Cause as mm. I mentioned, you know, previously, I think my guy, Amik Robertson might be out of the rotation. So if Trayvon Mullen's not close to coming back, if Damon Arnett's not close to coming back, I could see the Raiders bringing another cornerback. Cause I know they, they added true font, but he's had an injury history. I believe he's played 17 games since 2019. So just in case you have an insurance for your insurance policy. And I think with a guy like Mayock, he has a history of making deals during the draft. I don't see why he wouldn't close to the deadline. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And, and, and there's a guy that's going to be playing across from them, right? Darius Slay. He's a little costly though. I don't think that, is that a guy you might consider? See, I, I would, but the Raiders are really tight with money right now. They've had to convert a lot of contracts into signing bonuses to just to make room early in the season. I'm sure you remember that. I think with Darius Slay's contract, it could be tight unless the Raiders are going to dump a couple of players. I know a lot of fans want the Raiders to dump Cleveland Farrell. That's not going to be enough to make room for Darius Slay. Uh, they would have to make multiple moves for that. But again, if they can make it work and they can do some cap you know, cap room magic, then I'm all for it. Bring in Darius Slade, but I just think it would be tough uh, with his contract on the books right now. It would be on the books right now. I mean, the Raiders clear up 50 million next year, right? Because they have a lot of these short-term right. contracts and some other contracts, including Derek Carr's, which are which are coming due. Uh, but you also got to consider that. So if, if the Raiders... Let's say they go on and have a great year. We don't know yet, of course. If they if they win today, go five and two. Let's say they finish the year uh, better than we expected, and they they win eleven games, twelve games, whatever it is. Uh, and Derek Carr has a great season. Then you got to decide if you're going to pay Derek Carr. So there's a lot of financial things. But it would be nice if Darius Slay came to Las Vegas today and didn't leave. Uh, but uh, that's a long <laughs> shot to be certain. Now let's talk about another defensive back, Mo, because one of the things I wanted to visit in this last segment, we'll get to our kind of game prediction here in a few minutes but one of the things I want to talk about was improvement right so we've heard all of these things about the offense we heard we talk a lot about Henry Ruggs we talk a lot about Brian Edwards and what they've been able to do to improve uh, and become a larger part of that Raiders offense on the defensive side I think what people aren't seeing because it's not always visible in the way of big plays and big hits like so many had known him for, and that is the improved play of Jonathan Abrams, who to me is by far the most improved player on this Raiders team in totality, offense or defense. Yeah, a lot of people, um, there are some buzz about him on Twitter, and I think the most noticeable thing about him is not a lot of boneheaded plays, right? Yes, yes. Year or so, you always, you, it seems like one time per game, you get, oh, Jonathan Abram, boneheaded play, a penalty, a, a bad whiff. You're not seeing a lot. Very controlled. A lot of people point out his interception, and I get that. But he's actually been a very smart player, and that's what you want to see out of your box safety. Not making too many mistakes, reading your keys, diagnosing plays, and just reacting. And not always going for the home run hit. Just getting the takedown, getting up, going for the next down. I think he's made 
a tremendous improvement. Initially, I thought maybe he was going to get his fifth-year contract. Now I say it's pretty much 50-50. We'll see how much the Raiders value a box safety at that mm, at his number. Right. But he is on he's he is on the upswing and he is playing very well. Well, and I want to call out three people I think who've had a significant impact on Jonathan Abrams when it comes to why he's playing better and why he's shown the maturity that we all said last year he needed to find. And that, of course, is Gus Bradley. But also, I think the guy who deserves the most credit is Ron Miles, the defensive backs coach, who really is a magician. If you've seen what he's done when he was with Los Angeles and other stops that he's made, he's been very good. And you got to give you got to give John Gruden credit. He's the one who went out and got these guys to bring them in under under Gus Bradley. Uh, and I think Ron Miles taking him under his wing and Bradley putting him in the position he should play versus the position he was playing in. And then, oh, by the way, along with Ron Miles, I'll also toss in Casey Hayward Jr., who I think has also been a huge influence on that entire defensive backfield. Yeah, absolutely. So it's a totality, totality of improvement on the back end. So you're talking about an improvement from the group, not as just a single pair. Of course, we can single out Jonathan Abram, but as a, as a unit, the Rays, I believe, have a top 10 pass defense. Uh, if they can get their run defense together, we'll see a lot, you know, even more improvement from that from that defense entirely. But Jonathan Abram, just focusing on him, I think he's benefited from being under a different coach staff and just being under a coach staff that utilizes his strengths. So sometimes I want to caution fans about saying, oh, a guy is a bust. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes you have to look at the coaching staff and what they're doing because we're so quick to blame the player. Oh, it's the player, it's the player, it's the player. Some players just don't fit certain schemes. You're right. And no matter how much tape you grind these coaches and these scouts, no matter how much tape they grind, sometimes they miss and it happens. And I think you're seeing Jonathan Abram just fit under uh, Gus Bradley's uh, scheme and defense. Two other guys that were, in, in my view, in make-or-break years were Trayvon Mullen and Damon Arnett, both of them on injured reserve, so we only have a small sample size to go on. I think Trayvon Mullen continues to be a good number two cornerback even before he was injured. Yes, he has his moments, but I think overall he's doing very well. Uh, Damon Arnett, on the other hand, uh, despite the injury, I think it's going to be a long-term um, uh, no-go with him. I just don't see any improvement now. Maybe coming back from the injury, maybe he gets back into playing shape. But, Mo, I, I, I just see the mountain for him to climb, at least with the Raiders, and maybe a change of scenery will do him good. And I know we're only talking about a second-year player, but he just looks so completely lost when he before the injury that I'm concerned that he's just not finding it for some reason. Yeah, I talk about players performing differently in different schemes. He struggled on the Paul Gunther, and when he stepped in, anytime Casey Hayward had to come off the field or Trayvon Mullen had to come off the field, Damon Arnaz also struggled under Gus Bradley and Ron Miles. So he's making some of the same mistakes, and that's what you don't want to see out of a young player. If they make the same mistakes, then you might have a problem there. But, yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I just don't see it with Damon Arnett. I actually think that it'll be Trayvon Mullen and maybe you give a short-term extension to Casey Hayward, and those are your two starting cornerbacks on a boundary with Nate Hobbs in the slot. I just don't see space for Damon Arnett on this roster right now as it's presently constructed. No, and I think that's why they're also looking um, to see in the market, you know, where 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 are their defensive back? Where are their cornerbacks that are available? Maybe teams, you know, if a team goes uh, two and five to start the season, to make the playoffs is a long shot. And so if you're in a situation where you're a seller, then they have to look at the opportunity there 
uh, to maybe go out and get somebody uh, and, and do that. So now we look at uh, one other guy I want to talk about, Mo, before we move into talking about today's game and kind of how we see it going down is a guy everyone likes uh, who struggled with injury, and you talked about him earlier in the show, and that is Josh Jacobs. Josh Jacobs is now, um, uh, says he's 100%, uh, but he's been unable to play an entire season uh, in his three or two-plus seasons now with the Raiders. He is uh, in the in the third year of his contract, so he's got one more year left. Uh, but if you look at his contract, right, you, you're on the hook this year for, what, $10 million dollars. Uh, and then next year, um, it's uh, $3.8 million. Uh, when you look at Josh Jacobs, what, what are the Raiders going to do? I mean, you stick with him, I know. Uh, but is, is he sort of a little bit under the gun here, too, to show that he can, number one, stay healthy, and number two, really start to find some of that form we saw where he was a rookie? Yeah, I think he is. And I, I'm, I'm just nothing against Josh Jacobs. And this is just me as a general rule. I'm not in favor of drafting running backs in the first round. Right. So because you can always get a running back in the third or fourth round that can give you comparable production. Now, just focusing on Josh Jacobs, I think he has to show that he can stay relatively healthy for the remainder of the season because if he can't, his body's starting to show signs of breaking down. Then the Reds may think, oh, we don't want to pay this guy all this. We don't want to pick up his fifth year uh, coming up. So that's going to be interesting what they're going to do with him. But I think it also is going to depend on what the coach staff is going to be like. Is Rick, is uh, Rich Passaccia still going to be, you know, the head coach? Is that staff still going to be in place? Because ultimately that coaching staff is going to be making the decisions. And they're going to look at Josh Jacobs and say, do we need this guy at that number? Because it, sometimes it doesn't come down to the player, his production. It comes down to what is he worth versus what is his contract? What are we, what are we on the hook for? So I think that's something to look out for. Yeah, and I mean, listen, I, I think he's back next year no matter what, uh, you know, unless something right. crazy happens because he's $3.8 million. It's a dead cap money hit, so you might as well keep him around one more. But if he wants to go into this offseason with an extension, he's going to have to finish strong and maybe even get the Raiders into the playoffs as part of a team to get into the playoffs, that is, uh, and really show what he can do because, to me, you're right, because quarterbacks, you know, it's just the way it is in the NFL now, to your point about not drafting them in the first round, uh, you can go out and get a good one uh, most of the time, and you don't know all also, Mo, whoever dis- if Rich Basaccia has an amazing season and they keep him as coach, so be it. But if not, they're going to have a new coach. And the system that coach brings in uh, will value other positions, and it's not going to be a run heavy, probably like Gruden's was. So you have all sorts of changes, like you talked about as well. So it'll be interesting to see what Josh Jacobs uh, does and how he performs uh, going down the stretch here. All right, so let's talk about this Eagles game. And um, Mo, we look at the Raiders. To your point. They were sitting there at three and two, uh, like the Broncos now, who've now lost three in a row. The Raiders could have been there. Instead, they come out with this inspired performance. They play four quarters of football, complementary football, offense, defense, uh, and really get out there and do it. And now they sit at four and two with an opportunity to go into the bye week at five and two. Uh, when you look at this game and you look at the Eagles, we talked about with Javon earlier in the other segment about uh, the Ra- the uh, Eagles. Excuse me front four that that defensive line but behind them is not so great the the opportunity for the Raiders if they can if they can hold up on the offensive line they could put up some big points in this game uh, if they're able to contain that pass rush yeah I think this is a Darren Waller game this is Ah. a big Darren Waller 150 yards a touchdown or two game because Eagles linebacker course struggling, uh, not strong really at the safety position. They they do have Darius Slay on the boundary and they do have a defensive line, but in the middle of the field, the Raiders can uncover some of that space in the midfield. 
Darren, that's where Darren Waller eats. That's where your running backs can can uh, catch passes out of the backfield. So this is a to me, this is a big Darren Waller game. This is another game we see Kenyon Drake catch out of the backfield, and maybe we see another screen for Josh no, Jacobs. Who knows? But don't um, be silly. <laughs> <laughs> but I think the Raiders have to exploit the middle of the field, and if they do, they can win this game. They can, and I'll tell you what, I'm gonna I'm gonna do some pick to click here, right? So so I'm with you on Waller. I mean, they got to get Waller involved, and I think uh, as I was on a, a Philadelphia broadcast earlier in the week, I said that's how the Raiders will beat the Eagles is because of that defensive front. They're gonna have to get the ball out quicker. So Waller, Foster Moreau, will, and, and even Hunter Renfro and Henry Ruggs in the short passing game, especially intermediate passing game over the middle too, will be huge. And I think they can do that because the, the, they're they're weak at linebacker as well. So I like the Raiders' chance there. I also think Yannick Ngakwe is gonna. Have a breakout game. We saw Max Crosby last week. Um, I think they're going to key on him quite a bit, but I think that defensive front for the Raiders is also going to have a big day. And I expect this one to be close. I really do think the Raiders will pull it out. Will they cover? Is the question. I'm I'm a little leery on it, uh, but we'll have to see, Mo. Uh, but if the Raiders can get five and two, listen, Raider Nation's got to go into the bye feeling really, really good. They got to be feeling stupendous, and I don't use that word a lot, but um, I, I think it's also <laughs> I think it's also important to know that even if there were lingering effects from the John Ruby, uh, John Gruden resignation, I think that bye week comes at a good time because now you can collect yourself. I know fans probably want to see the Raiders on the field, but yep. now you can collect yourself, gather your thoughts, and kind of regroup coming out of the bye and come out strong. That's right. Well, we'll know here in a few hours down at Legion Stadium, the Raiders, the Eagles coming up. Uh, can the Raiders go to 5-2? and two? We'll be here to talk about it next week during the bye week. We want to thank you for joining us here. Mo Moten, you can catch him on Twitter at M-O-E-M-O-T-O-N. Read his stuff up on Bleacher Report and VegasSportsToday.com. Mo, take care, my friend. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you next week, and we'll have a lot to talk about going into the bye. We will. For Mo Moten, I'm Scott Cobranson. This has been Silver and Black Today Game Day, only here on The Fan in Las Vegas.